So the question is, how do women like us, age 50 plus, and dealing with high blood pressure, high blood sugars, and rising cholesterol levels, how do we keep our health numbers under control while we're trying to squeeze all the goodness we can from our life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I uncover the secrets of living a plant-based lifestyle, including how to avoid taking medicine simply by eating whole foods, shed the extra fluff around your middle without being hungry or joining a gym, make big lifestyle changes even if you think you have no willpower, eat food you love with no portion control. Let's get your doctor to say, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. All this without meds or restrictive dieting. I'm Robin Wong, and welcome to No Pills, No Hunger. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to No Pills, No Hunger. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I am Robin Wong, and this is episode 187. And I am talking to you today about soy products, soy, okay? And I know that there's a lot of controversy around soy. Uh, I see it with the women I work with all the time. They have questions because um, as we start um, finding alternatives to eating meat, right, whatever level you choose to do that, you know, often some of the recipes will use soy products. So inevitably, I get a question of, oh, I thought soy was bad, especially for women. And I, and so I thought it would be really helpful to discuss that, okay, to dis- uh, talk a little bit more about soy, because I, it occurred to me, you out there in podcast land might be having some of the same questions. And, you know, tofu comes to mind for me when I think of soy products. Um, that's what I use a lot. In fact, this past week... I did a cooking demo that made lettuce wraps and they were made with tofu and some really great spices and water chestnuts and green onions. And they were really good. And, you know, they're, um, what I, what, if you don't use tofu, you may not know is that often, uh, depending on the texture of tofu you get, it changes the you know, it can mimic the texture of um, meat or eggs, or you can use soy um, uh, tofu in silken tofu in sauces, right? So there's, you know, a a tofu to fit every occasion, okay? (laughs) So, but the nice thing about it is, you know, especially when you're, you know, good with your spices, uh, it really can take on the flavor of whatever uh, you're seasoning it with. And that is a very positive thing. And the, and the beauty of that is, is that it's um, soy is very nutrient dense. So it's an excellent source of protein. It uh, has all of the essential amino acids plus micronutrients, you know, vitamins and minerals like calcium and iron and magnesium and manganese and phosphorus and potassium and yeah, B1, 2, 3, 5, 6, and 9, right? Uh, lots, a lot of B vitamins, vitamin C and zinc. Additionally, it has fiber, which meat does not. And it has, you know, omega-3s and 6s. So it's pretty, it's pretty power packed. All right. So, you know, and, and, and what does it not have? 
it does not have any saturated fat. Okay. Um, and so uh, like meat would, and as you know, if you have type two diabetes or you're worried about your cholesterol, or you're worried about heart disease, um, inflammation, you know, that is, you know, those, you want to be avoiding saturated fat. Okay. And so it's, so in that sense, you know, and then when you start doing that and what those foods that have saturated fat, you know, they're, they're typically protein foods, right? They're like, well, what about my protein? Well, here you go. Soy is a great substitute for that. It's very protein packed. Okay. Without all the negative stuff. And it brings a whole bunch of really good stuff. So, so then why is it so controversial, right? I mean, what is the big deal if, why do we hear so many negative things around it? And, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I refer to soy, I'm talking about whole soy, like tofu, edamame, uh, you know, which is, if you're not familiar with that, there's these little green pods and they have like little green beans in them and you can buy them already shelled, which, you know, often you'll just steam them or boil them uh, when they're in the shell. And so they're a great snack that you kind of have to hand to mouth type eat or if you want to be like me and you just want to get to the good stuff faster, you can buy them already shelled. And I put them in the microwave, heat them up, and they come frozen. And they are a great sourcing uh, source of protein. Like I said, they add a lot of flavor. I, I really like them as a snack. I, I stir them into uh, so many things. So that's another option. Um, soy milk, uh, tempeh is another um, soy product, right? So just know that it's, it's a, a great replacement for uh, um, meat, but also you can now find a soy, soy yogurt, okay, which is also a good replacement to use in um, sauces. Again, you could buy this, this really um, silken tofu that's also good in sauces. So there's, it's just very versatile. And so when people, um, you know, are concerned about it, I, I want you just to always have the information so you can then make the best decision for you. Okay. It's always your choice, always your choice. And, you know, this is what I, um, I want to encourage you to do. All right. Gather your information and then, and then choose. It's always a risk versus benefit thing. So what comes up for a lot of people is GMOs, okay, the genetic modified uh, foods. And so, you know, I want you to understand that, you know, as some of the largest consumers of commercially grown GMO soybeans, both in the U.S. and globally, is farmed animals, all right? So, you know, there's some long-term studies and conclusive data on the health effects of GMOs you know, there's, they're just, there's, there's not a lot of solid evidence saying they're bad. Okay. It's just that, that information is kind of lacking and I want you to understand, but yeah, that's a whole different topic. And you know, that I don't really care. Everybody does their own thing. I mean, so either eat them or don't eat them is up to you, but just know that, you know, GMOs are ubiquitous in our food supply. Okay, soybeans are one of the, you know, several major food staples now dominated by genetic modification. And currently, 81% of the global soybean crop is genetically modified. Okay, so yeah, I can see why people are worried about it. And approximately 85%, 85% of all GMO soybeans end up in farmed animal feed. 
Okay. So if you're eating um, animals, uh, you know, and just know, and if they're finished on, you know, eating something other than just grass and often like, I know I grew up on a farm and we raised our, our, our meat. And so your cow would be out there eating grass. Okay. Like cows do growing and bigger, bigger, bigger. And then before, you know, my mother was ready to call the butcher, she would bring the cow in and what they do call finishing it. And they would feed it grain and hay. And I forget whatever. I was a kid. I don't really remember. Um, but I remember the cow would be in the cow corral. She was feeding it different food, kind of like its last meal. Now I look back and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. But, and so I don't know where the soybean food ends, like currently ends up in the, the animal's feed, but apparently 85% of it all ends up in farmed animal feed. Okay. In some form or another, maybe it's mixed in. I don't know. So if you're diligently avoiding GMOs, um, in, in, by not eating tofu, just know that there's a good chance that you are getting them by way of eating your steak, okay? Um, and even possibly if it's grass-fed, because you don't really know, you know, maybe it'll say non-GMO. So look for that label if that's important to you. So just, I just want you to know that. And I want you to know that, you know, eating whole soy, like um, tofu or edamame, you know, that's very different because often it does say it's non-GMO. So just know they're farm. That's very. Um, it, it can be um, available. You know, non-GMO is available. The other thing I think that comes up is the cancer risk, especially for women. And I think there's a lot of information misinformation regarding soy's relationship to cancer, um, and a lot of that misinformation stems from confusion around the presence of phytoestrogens that are that come in soy. And just know that phytoestrogen is not the same as estrogen, okay? And, you know, um, there was a, a study done in, at Vanderbilt, it's been, gosh, I don't know, it's been a while now, that kind of came out and, and showed that, okay, the phytoestrogens don't react the same as estrogen in our bodies. And so those um, cancers that are hormone uh, driven, that soy does not make that worse. All right. And so I just would encourage you if, if you're a woman taking hormone replacement therapy, uh, if you're postmenopausal and you're doing that, you know, especially if you're taking only estrogen, some of that has been implicated in cancer growth. So really, you know, get educated on that and just be aware of that. And so, you know, soy does not contain estrogen. Just know that it's the phytoestrogens and they're different, uh, but animal foods do contain, contain estrogen, all right? Many consumers, you know, you know, are aware that animals used for meat and dairy are commonly supplemented with synthetic growth hormones. But what they don't consider is that animal flesh and cow milk also contain their own naturally occurring estrogen. Okay. And this is true even with the grass-fed and organic animals. So, you know, meat, dairy, and eggs all contain the phytoestrogens, and they are pervasive in our food, um, both plant and animal derived, and you aren't avoiding any of those, right? So I just want you to just be, um, be a, a savvy consumer, understand that 
Okay, so phytoestrogens is sort of a catch-all term for uh, several naturally occurring plant compounds, uh, which are structurally similar to, you know, um, estrogen found in mammals. And functionally, it's weakly, you know, estrogenic, okay, um, meaning it's, it weakly mimics estrogen. Um, but it's also, those phytoestrogens have been shown to maybe block some of those estrogen receptors, right? Meaning that then it's, it, it doesn't allow the estrogen to attach to them, all right? So um, I think the concern over soy and cancer stems from the fact that soy-based foods contain that phytoestrogen. I think that's where it comes from. And, you know, and just know that um, really what those are, they're isoflavones and they, they're, they come in varying amounts depending on, you know, the, how it's prepared and, and how it's processed. And that those, those phytoestrogens, like I said, do react with estrogen receptors. And we can get into the whole, there's alpha and beta ones and, and the alphas, you know, are all throughout the body. Whereas the, the beta cells or the beta, um, receptors are basically in the ovaries and the prostate and the lungs. And um, anyway, I don't know if you want to go that deep, but I think I really encourage you to research it. Okay. Uh, and so just to, if, you're, if you want to understand it deeper. And so I think that I, okay, I'll just, I, I guess I should have finished the thought because you're probably going, wait, don't leave me hanging. Right. So these isoflavones like estrogens, they bind these, the, both the alpha and the beta and they, but they prefer the beta. And so isoflavones, they don't have the um, same effect as estrogen does as inducing the tumor growth. Okay. In fact, those isoflavones have, have demonstrated a protective benefit against the hormone dependent cancers. All right. And, um, and so I just think that there's this inverse relationship between soy consumption and risk of developing premenopausal breast cancer. Uh, and, you know, it hasn't been, um, or that has been clearly demonstrated and established. And so what that means is that, um, I'm trying to read my notes here. So what that means is that the higher rates of soy intake are actually, um, it's inverse. They're actually associated with lower rates of cancer cancer, breast cancer. Okay. So just, I'm just trying to make sense of my notes. Okay. The other thing I think why people avoid soy, uh, especially men is they're afraid of, um, man boobs. <laughs> and a funny story. Uh, my, my daughter was dating a fellow and they both, um, are vegetarian or vegan. And, uh, she cooked a lot with soy products and she goes, I know and she started noticing he didn't, he didn't really eat the tofu. And she was like, how come you don't, you don't like the tofu? And that's fine. You don't like the flavor. He's like, well, no, soy creates man boobs. And so she's like, that's a thing. And, um, and so she, of course she reached out to me and, and uh, just know that's sort of an urban legend. All right. And it's, I think it comes from that confusion between, I got to describe between estrogen and phytoestrogen. Um, you know, but just know that phytoestrogen is not estrogen. Okay. And, um, and it, just think about it. I mean, think, think beyond that simple thing. And if that were the case, if, if tofu and the phytoestrogens caused men to develop breasts, 
then there would be a lot of men, you know, that would, would need a bra, okay? <laughs> because there's whole cultures that eat a lot of tofu, right? And, and uh, you know, and that, that's just not the case. So I want you to keep that in mind. There were some other concerns around, and I've heard this from the women in my um, group even, uh, the women I work with, is that uh, the idea that you shouldn't have any soy if you have thyroid issues, hypothyroid issues. And, you know, I think kind of what I read as far as the research around that is um, it's a little inconclusive. But certainly, if you're worried about that and you take thyroid medication, uh, maybe don't eat soy within four hours of taking your meds. And that's the same. It's very similar to how you would take your medications around calcium products, right? You don't take them uh, within a certain amount of time as well. And you don't eat right after you take them, all those things. So, so maybe just throw soy into that, that whole mix and do the same thing. Um, but is it actually... Does it cause thyroid problems? You know, I didn't find anything that said yes. Um, and so just know that, you know, I, that's again, something that you might want to learn more about if you're worried about that. All right. Uh, because I have, um, I had Graves disease and then had my thyroid radiated because I couldn't take the meds and take thyroid. Now I'm hypothyroid, take thyroid and medicine, um, and I eat soy, and I don't see any problem with managing my thyroid um, in doing that. Now, uh, maybe it's more the case that you are trying to avoid thyroid problems. I'm not sure that that makes um, a difference when you eat soy, because when you think about it, you look at uh, cultures like Japan, and tofu's um, a, a very prevalent food in their culture. And, you know, for years it's changing now because the American lifestyle, the Western diet has infiltrated their culture. But for years, uh, you know, there was very low incidence of breast cancer and, and thyroid and all those other um, issues that people think that cause uh, is caused by soy. And so, you know, I think when you start looking at some of these epidemiological studies uh, about what people are eating and, and the China study does this, uh, Dan Buettner does this, uh, there's um, Hans Diehl, uh, D-I-E-H-L, he was one of the first epidemiological um, researchers that uh, I listened to 30 years ago that would go into cultures and look at what they were eating. Uh, Nathan Pritikin, you know, and they looked at what they're eating and then looked at the incidence of, of disease. And, you know, those that were eating um, uh, less processed foods, you know, zero processed foods pretty much, eating whole foods, still eating some meat, but you're not eating the high levels of oils. You're not eating all the, you know, all the really highly processed foods. They had better health. They had less disease. And so I just want you to realize that when you start, you know, working your way back to more whole foods, wherever that looks like for you, uh, maybe, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to meet a dietitian that doesn't tell you to eat more fruits and vegetables and whole grains. All right. It's just, it's just, and, and beans. And so when you start adding those back into your diet and eating less of the processed foods, and, and I mean, even those foods that are, you know, uh, 
processed and baked with, um, you know, grains, flour, even whole grain flour is, is a processed food. And so does that mean you can never eat again? No. But is that the main thing you're eating? Okay. So just really kind of look at your diet and look at the composition of it. Look at the ratios that you're choosing. And so I just got off a call just a little bit ago um, with a new client that is finding ways to integrate, um, you know, more fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and, and still eats, eat meat. And that's completely fine, you know? And so it's like, but let's change the ratio a little bit, maybe eat less meat and more of these other things. And that's what I want you to be playing with because that's the lifestyle. When you find what works for you, and I mean, what works for you as far as giving you good health and having your numbers in a safe spot and not restricting your food and you're enjoying your food, you're eating to your full, your, your weight is managed. That is what I consider total wellness. And whatever that food process looks like for you is what you need to be doing for yourself. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you have a good uh, rest of your day. Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you are here and I will talk to you again next week. Thank you for tuning in today. I know there's about a million ways you can spend your time and I really do appreciate that you spent some time with me. Thank you. If you got something out of this episode and know someone who would also appreciate it, make sure to share it with them. We are all trying to get healthier in order to live well and you can show them you care about their health by sharing these messages. Want to start improving your health today? One place I like to start with clients is breakfast since morning habits are the easiest to build. That's why I created a guide called Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugars, which includes easy, delicious recipes for my favorite meals to start the day. Pick it up today for free at page.nutritionwithrobinrdn.com forward slash guide, or click the link for Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugar in the show notes. Thanks again, and see you in the next episode.